Um, I love the fact that his kingdom is made of lots of nations. We don't belong to our nation, although we, f- we find identity there. Our main identity is in the kingdom of God. So, when my kids were little, and I love it now, we used to read them The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. It's a book by C.S. Lewis. And I love it. And my kids used to love it. And there's a magical part in the story when the, the forest, which is captured in winter... Icicles, snow, everything is solid. Um, Suddenly starts melting. Its grip is torn away from the wicked witch. Hang on, I'm just going to make sure I concentrate. Otherwise, I'm going to put all these in the wrong order and completely lose where I am. Um, And it starts melting. And you know the gossip of the forest is that Aslan is on the move. Aslan is on the move. I don't know if you can hear that whispering across the wind at the minute, but Aslan is a Jesus type of Jesus. And at the minute, Jesus is on the move. And the funny thing about the story is, my daughter, Abigail, our youngest, used to think that, we used to say it all the time, Aslan's on the move. She used to thought we were saying moon. So we'd all point at the moon and go, Aslan's on the moon. And we used to tease it all the time. If ever she comes around, just say, Aslan's on the moon and point up. She will burst out laughing. Aslan is on the moon. No, he's on the move. Because there's a sense in the air that God's moving. I went shopping to a local supermarket last night. And even there, I met someone who's a volunteer. I don't know her very well. I've only met her three times. We sat in the car talking about what God's doing in the church. She goes to a different church. And she says, it's great to know that there's churches all around this country and all around the world that are getting hungry for God. She says, it's great that it's not yours and I, at my church. It's churches all over the... I'd never thought right now I'd be sat in a supermarket car park talking about people getting hungry for God and God being on the move. But something is happening. We need to prepare ourselves for this. So we're changing, we're moving on slightly from the reality of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives, not just learning about the Holy Spirit, but longing for the Holy Spirit, being hungry for the Holy Spirit, being prepared for the Holy Spirit to move. The Holy Spirit moving in the church we've been doing, but I want to put it in the context of the kingdom of heaven and the eternal. So my job this morning is to start us on a preparation journey And if we were to have a beautiful picture, I've been in the art galleries in London, can you tell? A beautiful picture of what that looks like. My job at the minute is to get your main board and slap a load of paint on and provide a background for you. So I'm doing broad brush strokes, but we're going to look at prepare ye the way. Prepare the way for what? For who? And what does that look like? I'd like you to turn to, or flick open your tablets or whatever you've got, to Matthew 25. We're going to look at a parable of Jesus. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps, here's mine, And went out to meet 
the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became very drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him and to the wedding banquet. The door was shut. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. I'd like to start just by looking at the very first line. At that time... The kingdom of heaven will be like the kingdom of heaven. What on earth is that? Because I want to go back to somebody in the Bible who came proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. He's out in the wilderness. He's a long way off. Can you see him? He looks a little bit odd. He's got a camel's coat on. Uh, he's out in the desert, he's, he's eating locusts. But can you hear him? If you listen really hard, prepare the way. Prepare ye the way. Prepare the way. The voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. He was prophesied 700 years before he came that John the Baptist would come and declare that Jesus was on his way. But he doesn't say Jesus, does he? He says, prepare the way because the kingdom of heaven has come near. That's what he's pointing to, the kingdom of heaven. And we are called to get ready for the kingdom of heaven. But if we look at John over in the corner here, He's looking a bit odd, a little bit weird, let's be honest. Um, and when I was a kid, I thought, well, that's because he couldn't afford anything else, and that's how they lived in those days. But I have been down to London, like I said this weekend, and I have seen the extravagant cloth that they wove, the incredible crockery and the, the artisans they had for lunches. They didn't have to wear camel's clothes and live out in the desert. But he held himself differently. Because he knew he had a different lifestyle to live than those people around him. He was visibly different. He wore camel's clothes. His values were different. He ate locusts. Out of all the feasts they did with the, with the unleavened bread and the bread, and the, I mean, they knew how to cook, honestly. He chose locusts. And the realities he lived in was one of... I'm not going to live for myself, for today, in the comfort of a home. I'm going to live out in the wilderness, ready 
and preparing the way for something. So I have, I just thought it'd be fun, I have some crickets. I couldn't find any locusts. Anybody want to try some crickets? Anybody want to try some crickets? We're all a bit nutty here, you see, so I thought we're preparing the way. Some of them barbecue flavoured and some of them are just normal. Which is the barbecue flavoured? That one. Anybody else like to try some? Yeah, you just pass them around. We can't be normal people if we're preparing the way because the whole values of our life, the whole values of our culture in our homes has to be for kingdom, not now. It looks completely different. What really amazes me is when Jesus does come, with John the Baptist's foretelling, Jesus arrives... Jesus doesn't go, here I am. The message Jesus carries is incredibly similar to John the Baptist. He goes into the wilderness. He shows his culture and his values are not for the world, but for the kingdom of heaven. And he says this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus' message is about the kingdom. It has to be important. We have to listen. It's coming near. What is this kingdom of heaven? So, when Jesus created the world, God created the world through Jesus. Um, The kingdom of heaven and the earth um, were merged together and sin tore radically things apart. And from that point on, God almost kept making windows and saying, here I am, look into the kingdom of heaven, we're still here. But they were running alongside, almost like in a different vortex if you're into Doctor Who, different, different um, reality. And um, I'm just checking if I haven't turned the wrong page over. And um, I have... So the beginning of Exodus, God shares his heart with his people and he says, I want you to be for me a kingdom, part of my kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So you've already got this vision into the kingdom. It's full of those who worship. It's full of priests who know and see God in his presence. It's a holy nation, a pure people. We get to Samuel. And we find God establishing his covenant with David and saying, through your line, David, someone's going to be born and his kingdom will never end. I will establish a throne in heaven with him. God's trying to connect to the earth again. He's sending Jesus. So in Psalms, we find God says, David says, your throne, O God, will last forever. And the scepter of justice will be a scepter of your kingdom. And the Lord has established his throne in heaven. His king rules, his kingdom rules over all. We get a view of a powerful kingdom, a kingdom that's eternal, a kingdom that will never end, a kingdom that rules over all the nations. And this is carried on through Daniel. In Daniel, we find he has a vision of the kingdom of God, uh, kingdoms of earth being destroyed by this mountain that comes up a kingdom established over all the nations that will endure forever, a place of worship, eternal justice, 
that will never be destroyed, mighty and powerful. But we also know that the glory of God, which fills this kingdom, is also compassion and mercy and love and faithfulness. That's what the kingdom looks like. The kingdom's around us. We just can't always see it. So prepare for who? So I'm going to go back to the story of the bridesmaids. Because Jesus is the groom in this story. And he's coming. And um, there's ten virgins who come out to meet the bridegroom. The story is all about preparing for a king coming. Preparing for the bride coming for his bridegroom. But I can hear you asking, hasn't Jesus already come? We've already done Easter. He rose from the dead. He's already come. But it says, for unto us a child is born, and a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. This verse tells us that Jesus came as a baby. He came to bring all those things, but it doesn't stop there. There's an increase of his government. This kingdom is all increasing. It keeps on going. It keeps on coming nearer. Prepare ye the way. It's coming nearer. The kingdom is a realm where Jesus is light, rules in his fullness. The God of all love, all power, all authority, all grace, all forgiveness, all care, all justice, all might, all wisdom, I've missed some out. What I need you to do is I need you to help me. So can you turn to the person next to you and fill some of those in? Because sometimes we get caught in some areas. We're very much for the God of love and care and kindness. But we forget the God of authority and rule. The God of freedom. But the, forget about the God of belonging. So just chat to the person next to you. What is Jesus' rule like in this kingdom in its, all its fullness? What does it look like? How does a Jesus character expressed in this kingdom? Off you go. It's like school, isn't it? I'll give you two minutes. Right, what have we come up with? Anybody want to shout any of their answers out? What is a, what was, how does Jesus reign in this, in this kingdom if he's the king? Justice. Justice. Righteousness. Righteousness. Authority. Obedience. Obedience. Hope. Hope. Nice one. Patience. Say again? Patience. Patience. I thought you said raisins then. <laughs> What's going wrong with my ears? Ray, Jesus. Love, absolutely. Peace, justice. Grace. Wisdom. We could go on all day. There's so many facets to his power and his rule and his character. He is such a good king. 
Such a good king. Such a loving king. Now this kingdom we're preparing for is unseen. Now how do we prepare for something we can't see? It is unseen and it isn't unseen. So I've got my 3D glasses. They look good on me. Um, oh, you're coming really close now. Sometimes we just need to put on different glasses to see different things. You go to a film, you can't see it's 3D until you prepare yourself to see differently. Sometimes we take off our spiritual glasses. We start living according to what we see and what we can touch. But in order to prepare for this kingdom, we need to take our spiritual glasses out of our pockets and put them back on again. If you're born again and you're in the kingdom, you've got spiritual glasses somewhere hidden in your house. Might be in your pocket, might be on you now. Keep them on. Keep them on. See the kingdom of heaven through his eyes. And yet it isn't unseen. Because wherever you see love and kindness, wherever you see someone cared for, wherever you see people restored, wherever you see relationships restored, kingdom of heaven's there. We can see those things. It's seen, unseen, but it's also seen. And then again, you get passages in the Bible or times in your meditation or your quiet time when God seems to rip open the heaven and you get a glimpse of what it is to be in the kingdom of heaven in fullness. In fullness. And there's passages all the way through the Bible where God just peeps it open and says, this is it in fullness. We're still here. Just because you can't see us doesn't mean we're not here. How do we get to experience this kingdom? We have to be born physically into the world and we have to be born spiritually. It's called being born again. You're born into the kingdom on earth and you need to be born into the kingdom of heaven. And God says, if you make him your king and if you give your life to him, you can be born again. If you don't know what that means or you you want some more information, please ask me or ask any of the leaders in this room what it's like to be born again into the kingdom of heaven. And this king, who we love, has an idea about what he wants his kingdom to look like. He hasn't got a kingdom that he just lets anybody do whatever he likes. He has a dream. Before he created the world, he had a dream what he wanted to be like. Before he created you, he had a dream of what he wanted you to be like. He dreamt of a place of peace and power, love and kindness. When he was facing the cross, he had this dream in his head. It says, for the, for the grace set before him, he had a dream of what the kingdom would look like. And everything in the kingdom is Jesus' dream. The fullness of everything. And when it comes and it touches us and it touches earth and we make God our Lord and Saviour in our life, kingdom comes. We see love enacted. We see worship, a fullness of worship. We see grace come to our homes. We see all the things that Jesus dreams of coming here. And when we prepare our hearts for it to come, it comes in its fullness. Jesus' dream stays a dream until we actually give our lives kingship to him, command his authority, and then his kingdom can come. Because his kingship comes through us. If Jesus dreamt about you and his kingdom being released and full in your life, 
What would he dream about? How would he like you to be if you became, if Jesus was truly Lord of my life and our life? I'm being really challenged by this word about Jesus coming because I think after COVID, things have slipped a little bit in my life and it's like coming back under, making Jesus really king of my life again. Really, Lord, really pulling kingdom down into my family, into my life, into my workplace. What would he dream of? Now, um, I'm just going to go back to the story. I'm going to do it very quickly, so don't worry. I have got myself really muddled. In verse 2, we've got some ladies who have got their lamps. I've got my lamp here. In those days, they had like a, um, a clay lamp with oil in and a wick. And you'd light the wick and it would soak the oil up, the olive oil, and the light would stay on. Um, they'd be quite small. Um, and the weddings also were all done in the bride's house. So in, they would decorate the bride's house. They would get all the food ready. It would take months and years for all the wine to come. They'd have to import it from other lands, all the spices, all the food. The preparation would take weeks and months. They'd prepare the whole house. And then on the day of the wedding, they would wait for the bridegroom to come. And he would come and the bridesmaids, the virgins, would come out with their lamps and show him to the bridegroom. The most important job at all. But it's almost like the bridesmaids, virgins, had got themselves ready, dolled themselves up, had like, got themselves ready the night before, done all their bathing. But they'd forgotten, some of them had forgotten the purpose of what they were there for. To show the bridegroom to the to bride. And sometimes we get dressed up, we get ready, but we're getting ready the wrong things. We've forgotten what the kingdom of heaven is and what it isn't. We think the kingdom of heaven is up there. It's when we die. We'll prepare for it when we die. The kingdom of heaven belongs in a nation or a political party. We think the kingdom of heaven is, is church. We think the kingdom of heaven is family. That's only part of what it is. We think the kingdom of heaven is there to make us powerful, as successful, as noticed, as comfortable. The kingdom of heaven is for us. But that's not why we're here. We're here to prepare the bridegroom to meet the bride. We're prepared to, to the kingdom of God to come into our lives, down your streets, down your workplaces. What if the kingdom of heaven came there? Preparing the way, prepare ye the way, is preparing our lives in obedience, allowing him to change us, changing our values, our priorities, our perception, our reality on life. Preparing the way is a big kingdom view of life, not our small lives in our houses. It's about eternity. It's about the fullness of time. It's about the whole eternal plan, the whole eternal dream of God he has for us, but not just for us, the saints that before us, the saints that are to come, the people down your streets. It's God's dream. Let's prepare our hearts for this. Let's get hungry for God's dream. Let's open up our minds and our hearts for it. It's more than just letting Jesus into our lives. It's like the whole thing about 
Jesus knocking and letting him in. It's more than that. It's allowing him to come in his fullness. I tried to get it on my tablet today, but it just wouldn't work. There we are. It's making room for him in all his love, all authority and all his power. All his compassion as he come to rule in order with discipline and kindness, grace and gentleness. It's creating spaces and places that mirror God's dreams, spiritual and practical. So one of the things we do here, there's a branch, is creating a kingdom space where we feed people, we clothe people, we give people love and kindness, we enable them to belong. That's kingdom culture for people who don't even know God yet. We can create kingdom culture even if people don't know the king. It's all about him. Now, Trevor was asking me about why I kept calling them bridesmaids and not virgins. And I sat and thought about this and thought, it's not really important. They're bridesmaids, aren't they? Why in the Bible does it call them virgins? And it's to do with the purity. To prepare, we must repent and stay fresh. If we're going to shout, prepare you the way, we ourselves must stay fresh and repent. If the oil in that lamp that the virgins had was murky, filthy, stained, it wouldn't have lit. It wouldn't have come up the wick. The light would have gone out. If we're to keep our passion and the truth that keeps our light strong, we need to keep our hearts right with God. We need to watch what we're looking at, watch what we're hearing, what we're doing during the day. We need to keep up our kingdom desires and let our earthly, fleshly desires go. And if we do fall and we do slip, we need to come to God and ask for forgiveness. We need to let him work in our lives. We need to use our kingdom language to keep on praying, to keep our hearts alight, to keep our passion and our purity. And pray every day that Jesus taught us, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lastly, to prepare, we must take responsibility. If we're to be those to shout, prepare ye the way. All the virgins looked the same. They came out with the lamps, they'd all been prepared. I don't know if they wore the same dresses. They all started together. But when they all fell asleep and woke up and it was time to trim their wicks... So they all had oil to start with. Half of them had prepared their hearts ready for more and half of them had only prepared their hearts ready for themselves. Some had more to give and others ran out. You can't borrow somebody else's passion. You can't borrow somebody else's energy, somebody else's purity. You can't borrow somebody else's truth and knowledge of the word. You can't borrow your faith of somebody else. These virgins went, the foolish ones, went to the wise ones and said, can we have some of your oil? You can't. You have to find some of your own oil. You have to build your own relationship with God. You have to prepare your own hearts. Prepare ye the way in your own hearts. Be responsible for your own preparation. 
And don't expect somebody else in your family hub or somebody else in the church to be preparing it for you. It doesn't work like that. He is coming. His kingdom is near. His kingdom is increasing. Are we ready? Prepare you the way. Repenting, staying pure, keeping our vision wide, taking responsibility. He's coming. We need to keep our hearts ready. If you just want to bow your heads just for a minute. Jesus, we've been thinking about Easter and you coming on the cross and raising from the dead to create a way. But this was only the beginning. Your heart and your dream is that your kingdom comes. You've taught us every day to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Father, we want that for our world. We want that for our streets. We want that for our workplaces. But it has to start in our hearts. And we hear your cry of, prepare ye the way. Prepare ye the way for your move of God. Prepare ye the way for something fresh to come. Your kingdom coming closer. And Father, we just want to say, whatever it takes... We want more of you. We want to see your kingdom come. We want to see our lives changed, our nation changed, the world changed. God, make our hearts ready. Make our eyes expectant to see, our ears ready to hear. Something's coming, something's on its way. May we have enough oil.